third season of Fisher Link, a podcast presented by Fisher Link Magazine for the Fisher College of Business to highlight stories in and around Ohio State that you may not have heard about. My name is Grant Powelson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Lily Wong, the president of Fisher Inc. Today we're joined by Audra Fry, who used to be in career counseling at the Fisher College of Business and has been in recruiting in the corporate world for the past several years. Um, thank you for joining us today, Audra. To start off, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to your current position in recruiting? So, yeah, um, as you said, you know, I've been working with college students my entire career. Um, So I pursued, right after my undergrad, I pursued my master's in, uh, it's called college student development. So my goal and my passion was working with this age group. I think it's um, a very rewarding experience to help launch careers. So I worked in career counseling and advising for about eight years before I joined the corporate world where I've been about the last five years um, in. So I've done a little bit of everything. So both helping students find jobs and then helping my employer find students for our jobs. So I've kind of worked on both sides of the table um, and, you know, been a great experience so far. That's awesome. Um, What are things that have kind of been like different and the same working on like both sides? So, um, What I loved about working as a career counselor was really just kind of empowering a, you know, a young person to take charge of their own career and giving them advice and giving them tools and tips that they didn't have prior to working with me. Um, And then I loved seeing those, the results of the the advice, you know, so they had improved their resumes, they had gotten internships, they had gotten full-time jobs. So it was so exciting to see Um, you know, that advice coming to fruition. What's been nice about being on the other side of the table is that I actually get to be the one giving the jobs to people. So when by the time they get to me, they are already really strong in some of those um, tools and, and tips that I had previously worked with them on. But now I'm trying to find the best talent for our company. So um, when that does happen, and I spend a lot of time recruiting and talking to students to get to know them, um, to make sure that the role that they're applying for and interviewing for is the right fit for them and that it's the right fit for our company. Um, And then it's just fun that there are students that I developed relationships with when they were freshmen and to see them get full-time jobs, (laughs) you know, over the last four years of, you know, working in the same company, it's, it's been amazing to see the progression. So it's not just, Hey, I gave them good advice and, and they ended up getting a job. It's, I developed a relationship with them and now they have a full-time job, um, that they, that they may or may not have known about had I not met them, you know, as a freshman. So that's always, that's been so rewarding to, to, you know, have that as part of my role. Gotcha. That's really awesome. I bet it's really cool to see like the growth over those few years too. Um, Going along with that, what do you think is like your favorite part or the things you most enjoy about working with um, this age group and like the college student demographic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like this demographic sometimes has a bad reputation and it's my favorite. So I teetered back and forth between did I want to be a high school counselor or, you know, did I want to work in human resources only, only working with experienced professionals. But the, the time between 18 and 24 is so monumental. Um, and so I love how um, at least the students that I'm recruiting are hungry, they're driven, they're passionate. Um, this population, they truly are trying to figure themselves out. Um, at the same time, I love working with students who work hard and, um, you know, 
have conviction and mo- they're motivated and um, you know, I can almost see their career being laid out in front of them and it's not going to, you know, they are not going to be a generation that works the same job for 50 years and then retires. You know, they're going to do lots and lots of exciting things. Um, the, I also appreciate the values of this generation as well. They, um, they do want to work hard and they want to make an impact, um, but they also have a, a social consciousness and social responsibility um, that I've really enjoyed seeing emerge. Um, and also just the how innovative and um, forward-thinking they can be. You know, I, I love working with students who say, well, that's great that we've done it this way. How about we try this way? You know, there's always just a new idea coming out of a, a college student or an intern that I'm so appreciative of because that's ultimately how we're going to, to continue to drive our business forward and then, um, you know, their own career too. So it's, um, there's there's not much I, I don't enjoy about this generation. I may be, <laughs> you know, one of the only ones who will say that publicly, but um, I really do think it's such a, an important um, age group and um, you know they're really doing amazing things and now is a very good time to be graduating from college in, in my opinion so gotcha. that's awesome um, since you've been working with this um, demographic for a while on the recruitment even also like the college counseling side how has recruiting changed from when you started in this area to now yeah um, lots of different ways so I know even 12 years ago, there was um, much more of a passive approach to the job search. So it was, you know, I'll show up at a career fair and someone will give me a job or I'll put in my application online or I'll get a job. I also kind of started out in um, this career path right when the recession happened. And so the, this, it, the evolution is so different. So in 2008, students were grateful for any job that they could get um, versus now there's a lot more um, a more of an active approach to the job search and the internship search. So, you know, you will, there's still the career fairs and they're still applying online, but I think uh, students are doing better about um, identifying companies and industries that they're excited and passionate about and kind of putting their eggs in those baskets and working hard. So, I mean, as we're sitting here recording this, I probably have five or six LinkedIn messages from somebody who wants to join our company. Um, and I appreciate that even if I can't respond to everything only because I know that they actually have taken the time to send that special email or connect with someone on LinkedIn that's pa- that is in the industry that they're passionate about rather than just applying on- online or just going to the career fairs. So there's a lot more active approach. I think there's a lot more research being done about companies um, you know, with the unemployment rate being so low, I think that students have their choice about what opportunities are most exciting to them and, and align with their own personal values and, and goals, which is interesting. Um, the other thing that is has really changed is just technology-wise. So um, we hire probably more than 50% of our interns without actually meeting them. Um, so, you know, we're, we're interviewing virtually quite a bit and um, that is different than when I first joined, um, you know, this, the, the real world essentially. Um, so, and I think as more and more companies go uh, remote um, or at least have work from home opportunities or telecommuting, I think that that will continue to be um, a trend. And I think that there are, you know, I love personally connecting with interns prior to hiring them, um, but I can connect with them in ways that doesn't have to be face-to-face either. So, you know, 
I actually still really appreciate and enjoy speaking on the phone uh, with with candidates rather than just communicating via email or text or, or whatever. Um, so you know, definitely things have changed, but um, I think we're we're kind of moving in the right direction in terms of efficiency with recruiting strategies and um, but still the the human element is is going to be most important you know, regardless of, of how you're connecting with that human. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, with a lot of the recruitment process, um, having the option to be remote now, do you think there's um, some things that whether you meet with someone in person or over an email or over video that you still try to look for, whether it's um, through like a digital form of communication or in person? Yeah, so um, in this, I will probably bring this up again as we continue to talk, but um, I, I will sometimes speak to high school students and they're like, well, what advice can you give me now that I can work on? And the one and only downside I've seen with um, communication in this digital age is that it, the distinction between a student who has um, who has still made, still been tethered, I guess, to um, face-to-face human interaction versus one who hasn't um, is is very is way more distinct than it used to be. And what I mean by that is, I can someone comes up to me at a career fair, or I pick up the phone and call someone, um, I can tell right away if they're used to speaking to an adult. So um, we are all adults, right? So we're all over the age of eighteen. But what I mean is, um, you know. The, the most the best thing that a someone who's used to texting their friends and and not speaking on the phone and you're only talking to your family and your teachers and coaches um, so I always say get practice talking to other adults who do not have a vested interest in your future so you have a casual style of communication with your friends you have a casual style of communication with your parents and even teachers um, talk to your parents friends talk to your um, mailman, talk to, um, you know, someone at the library, get used to having a dialogue with someone who doesn't have to see all of the positives in you. So your fa- anything that you, like for my own mother, anything I say, she's going to think it's amazing, you know, but I want, if I need practice communicating with someone, I want that person to, you know, kind of look at me without bias and just say like, okay, well, what do you have to say? What do you have to sell me? And so um, when someone comes up to give their pitch at a career fair, let's say, um, the ones that stand out the most to me are the ones that can have a true dialogue. Like we can go back and forth really easily without that speech. And I know we were supposed to be prepared for a career fair and you're supposed to have your elevator pitch, but the delivery of that pitch and then the ability, if I ask you a question, um, you should be able to answer it right there in the moment versus when I, I can tell when I have interrupted someone's memorized speech and they it like throws them off and it gets them off track and I feel bad um but also in the real world you are going to have to communicate with fellow adults all the time and so they're going to ask you questions that you have not prepared for and that you don't have a you know prepared response to so I think um those are the ones that I can remember that can have a, a comfortable dialogue where I know that they're used to communicating with other people because regardless of if I hire you into a technology or a finance or a marketing role, um, you are going to um, have to communicate with other people in the in the corporate world um, and in the real world in some way. So the, the easier you make that in the beginning of the career, the easier it will be for the rest. 
Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. That covers my next question too, because <laughs> I was going to ask about um, career fairs. Because I think especially when you're an underclassman and it's your first career fair, or even if it's your first interview or networking event, um, it can be a little overwhelming just because if you haven't had that experience before, it can kind of be daunting where to start, how to like really communicate yourself in like a prepared way, but also in like an authentic way. Um, so do you have any advice for students kind of finding that balance between feeling prepared for like a professional mm -hmm. event, but also feeling like they can handle like unexpected questions or just have like a genuine conversation? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that is, it is hard to prepare to have a genuine conversation with someone because you don't know what they're going to ask you about and that's why practice always makes perfect so um you know talking to people that you don't know as often as possible is is truly the best preparation um but you know i will say so some people say like give me your 60 second elevator pitch sometimes you'll only get 30 seconds right so have that prepared but also truly the ones that stand out they have a reason for being at the table um and they have knowledge to back it up and so um let's say you approach a, a company and it's a technology company you don't need to go recite their company history back to them they know it better than you do, right? They work there. So why are you interested in this particular company? Give me a genuine reason and everyone can find that. Um, but you have to do a little bit of research to, st to stand out. Um, you know, if somebody asks me, uh, say like, or if somebody is interested in, in our company but doesn't have a good reason right on the spot about why they came up to our table, it's hard for me to, um, it's harder to dig yourself out of that hole, I guess, if you will. And at the same time, we have we hire um, interns across the board, whether introverts, extroverts, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's, do I see a genuine interest in our company or in our opportunity and, and why do I see that? Um, so, you know, as much preparation you can do in terms of why them and why you're coming up. And uh, there's also something to be said to, um, you know, it can be a, if someone comes up, of course not at Fisher because Fisher students are amazing, but if a student comes up to me at a career fair and says, well, I don't really know what I want. What do you got for me? That shows me that you probably haven't done a, a, a ton of work or you're still trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, which is okay. Um, but there are the companies that are actually paying money to go to the career fairs are probably doing it because they want to hire someone out of this process. So um, I think you could also use your time there to have a dialogue, say, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really narrowing things down, but I think brand management is something I'm really excited about, but I know that there are lots of ways for me to get into brand management. So things like blah, 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 that, you know, right there, you told me you're not exactly sure what you want to do, but it shows me that you've done the research to, um, you know, figure out why it is that you're coming up to our table. Um, and even if I don't have a brand management position open at the moment, it doesn't mean that we don't have an opportunity that could help you get there. So, um, you know, as much preparation as you can do either on the company side and or, you know, your personal professional side, I think it's important. And there's, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, no recruiter is going to say, oh, well, you know, we, we don't have that. So goodbye. I mean, I hope not, <laughs> at least we wouldn't, but, um, you know, as much preparation in, in that sense that you can do uh, the better. 
Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's very helpful to think about it as more of like your reasons and your why for talking to someone and like kind of using that to guide like a direction versus mm-hmm. like going up to someone and being like, do you have this specific thing or trying to get information out of them without like putting a lot of enthusiasm in return. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Definitely. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, on the interview side, um, what are some common mistakes you see college students make in interviews and maybe how they can um, avoid making those types of mistakes? Yeah, um, I would say probably the biggest is um, failing to go beyond the surface. So we see a lot of students that you can tell kind of just want their foot in the door. You know, just, I need I need an internship this summer because my mom or dad told me I had to have one. And so, you know, it goes back to not doing any research or not having a stance, not standing for something, you know, you're really passionate about this particular thing, but it's okay because I'll just do this just for fun. You know, so um, when we see a lack of passion for our company or our values or the particular internship, that definitely shows. Um, so go back to the quick interviews where you have to do those practice behavioral based interview questions. Some of the best interview answers come from the most mundane examples in the sense that you may think, well, I can't, I don't have a specific example of this, so I'm just going to go high level or, or just like a generic answer for that. When really, um, my managers will come back and say, oh, she gave a great example of this, this, and this. And it was a class project. You know, it wasn't anything earth shattering by any means, but it was specific. So like go back to the basics of, um, you know, the STAR method in a behavioral-based interview. The more specific you can get, um, the better. You will stand out if you can, anytime you can name a specific example um, of your individual achievement or contribution or whatever the case may be, regardless of what it is, being able to articulate exactly, um, you know, with those specific examples and not just like, like, Hey, I'm really desperate for an internship. I think that that, um, is really important for me in general. The worst thing that you can do in a phone interview with me or an in-person interview with me is when I say, what questions do you have? If you have no questions, that almost tells me, I mean, the whole interview could have gone well, but if you don't have a a genuine question, then I'm questioning everything about you at the very end and so at, at the very last minute. And so if you've ever gone through an interview and thought you've done really well, and then you ne- you don't get the role and you're like, what happened? I thought we had this great rapport. Ask yourself, what did you do at the very end of the interview? Um, and I think it shows a lack of, it, it shows a little bit more of um, this is only about me and what's in it for me. If you don't have a curiosity about everything that that person interviewer told you, or um, we know you don't know every single thing there is to know about our company. So if you don't have any questions, it shows a lack of curiosity. At the same time, um, I hate being asked questions that are are very surface level. You know, like the question, um, here's a peek behind the curtain. So how is my performance going to be measured? Do you really want to know that at the intern level? I don't know. Maybe you do, but um, that's the number one if you Google, what questions should I ask at an interview? That's usually one of the first things that comes up. And that's not I, I don't know that that's truly genuinely what a college intern is interested in, like of all the questions you could ask, like that's what you're gonna ask. And so really try to avoid um, those canned questions, but make sure you're asking questions at the end. So I know you're probably nervous and um, just trying to like 
make sure you check all the boxes and, and get everything said that you want to say, but really take some time. If your interviewer is spending time talking to you about their role or what they're looking for an intern, try to absorb that through active listening and ask questions based on what was said in the interview and less so on ones that um, you have already pre-written down uh, because often they can seem canned or you know really um, not genuine. Um, so those are two big ones that tend to stand out to me. Gotcha, that makes a lot of sense. Those are both really good points. And I think um, I've had a lot of people tell me too that like you're also interviewing the other person when you're in an interview. If you're the interviewee, like whoever's interviewing you, whether it's like someone in HR, if it's someone that's on a patine, you could potentially be on like, it's just as much like you getting information out of them as they are you. Yep. So shifting gears a little bit, so throughout the job process, um, what do you think are some factors beyond like location and pay that students should consider when deciding if a company or a position is right for them? Mm -hmm. I think early in your career, the most important thing that you should really focus on is um, leadership and mentorship. So you should be, I'm at a point in my career where I can work very autonomously, I can make decisions, I can provide strategy, but it's only because I've had so many wonderful leaders and mentors throughout my career who have empowered me. And then one day I woke up and I was like, wow, actually, <laughs> I, um, I have the ability to make these decisions on my own. So I think when you're just starting out, try to make sure, you know, within your, um, you know, scope of influence that you're in a role that either you have a manager that you have respect for, you value, um, you know, their career path, they have advice to offer, or that your company is set up so that you have those different opportunities for mentorship and good leadership, as well as professional development. So, um, you know, professional development in terms of licenses and credentials is one thing, but truly, um, there are, are aspects of who I am as a, as a leader myself that I would not have had without the leaders that I had, you know, before I've gotten to this point. So I think that is absolutely crucial. And that to me, if I could go back to 22 year old me, I think that um, that would be the advice that I would give, you know, go after the leader first, company second, uh, location third, pay fourth. Um, and then everything else will align from there. But you know, we all have different um, interests, but that's definitely, if I could go back in time, what I would share with my with my younger self. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before, but I think that's very true. Um, would you recommend like meeting with people that have different leadership styles too? I do, but I think that um, you should challenge yourself to be led by as many different leadership styles as possible while you're still young in your career because I, I will tell you, there are people who I have learned so much from that I did not think that our styles clicked. And it turns out I've learned more in a short period of time than I ever did, you know, in, in other aspects. So um, it's it's always a challenge. I And it's not just, you know, bosses and managers, it's mentors as well. And it's also coworkers. So, you know, there have been people whose work styles have been so different than mine that I've learned so much from. And I think... Um, the more you can navigate different styles of work ethic or um, leadership, the more successful you'll be, you know, farther along in your career because the ability to, to get along and, and work effectively with others of any type um, is so crucial and probably a lost art <laughs> because we all tend to um, 
shy away from you know conflict or um, things that aren't easy, but you you learn the most uh, during times when you're challenged. So um, sometimes it, you don't realize how important it was until it's over. <laughs> but it's um, you know I would definitely say that that's important. Gotcha. That's really good advice. Um, my last question is: Do you have any last piece of advice for those who are um, either on the hunt or an internship or a full-time job or kind of just getting their feet wet, trying to figure out um, how they want to like start their career off? The first thing I'll say is I've worked with so many Fisher students over the last 10 years. You've already made such a great decision with, you know, choosing to study at Fisher, um, you know, great academic um, and educational background for the real world, truly. Um, it can be very disheartening to see your friends and colleagues and coworkers accepting offers if you yourself do not have one in hand. I would say use them as motivation, but still plug your ears from it because you know everyone's job and career is going to be unique. So um, sometimes you know yourself better than than anyone else, and so sometimes that can be more of a distraction than is healthy. <laughs> so I would say. Um, you know, focus on your own time and your own efforts, but also be honest with yourself and say like, what am I doing to find a job? Are you being the person who applies for a job online, drops their resume into an online job board and, and does nothing else? If you are and you're struggling to find a job, I can tell you right now that that's why. <laughs> so um, putting in the minimal amount of effort will give you the minimum amount of results. So there are going to be people in your circle that got really lucky and got their opportunity right away. But you'll find that more often than not that um, the people who are getting great job offers or job offers early are the ones that have the work ethic to uh, put themselves out there and to have set themselves up for this opportunity or um, you know, really utilize their personal strengths to to make those connections, um, to get their foot in the door. I mean, any job that I've ever had, I've had some type of connection either to the role or to the company or to someone on the team who could vouch for my work ethic. Um, so I think that's really important. And there are plenty of interns that I've hired in the past that will tell you that they stalked me for years before they ended up getting an opportunity. And I'm not recommending stalking by any means, but it's more, um, I could tell that that person really did want to join our organization. And so it made me pay attention as a recruiter. And so I think, you know, taking a more active approach to your job search is extremely important. I also think at the, this, this is less on the, on the job field, but there are, um, a lot of freshmen and sophomores who are kind of floundering, trying to figure out like, what do I do with my summer? Because, you know, there's lots of companies that won't hire me. Um, but, you're hearing from someone who took four very unglamorous, very unpaid internships when I was an undergrad. Um, and each one of those very unglamorous, very unpaid roles led to the next unglamorous, unpaid. And eventually they started paying me, um, which was great. And so um, don't be afraid to take something that um, maybe is different than what you set out to do. If you think you're going to learn something from the opportunity or be motivated or excited by that opportunity, give it a chance. Um, there are plenty of industries and opportunities out there that at the surface you may think, hey, that's not gonna be right for me, but any, any opportunity where you can learn from the experience, um, I think is valuable. So um, that's not to say that you should take the very first offer that comes across your plate. Um, if it doesn't feel 
like it's the right thing, but there are probably a lot more opportunities out there that you're shutting yourself out for because you had an idea in mind as a freshman. Oh, I'm only going to work for the one of these three companies. Maybe just put some other feelers out there and then join one of those three companies after you've had a little bit different experience under your belt and you'll be better off for it. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today and offering um, such awesome advice to some of the Fisher students. Thanks. And that's it for this week's episode of Fisher Link. Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. I'm Grant Powelson, the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Inc., and I would like to thank my co-host Lily Wong and our guest Audra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fisher Inc. Mag for updates on future episodes. Fisher Link is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and on FisherInkMag.com, where you can stay informed in all things Fisher. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks!